Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Another Baseball Isn't Boring extravaganza. I am your host, Courtney Finnecombe, and it is my honor to have on five-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glove Award winner, and one of my personal favorites, Adam Jones. How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm doing good. You only like me because I wore my pants up. Oh, my, you, I- you know, honestly, everyone should know that that is the only way a baseball player should look. You agree? I mean, it's a fantastic look. Uh, it makes you look fast. It makes you look swift. Um, and, and I like it. I like it. It's like Schwarber. You know, yes. big guy with his pants up. Makes it look old school. Um, but... It was crazy. It changed. I did it because I hit a home run on Jackie Robinson Day in 2012, and I was like, well, I mean, hey. You know, we're baseball players. We're superstitious. And then it just became a trend. And, you know, that year, I mean, I reeled off a pretty good stretch. So I'll I'll give it to you having the pants up. I mean, I got to tell you, as much as I followed your career and I followed you in general, I don't think I've ever known that that's where it originated from. Yeah. I mean, I do I this mean, uh, sporadically with, with yeah. certain uniforms, but yeah, Jackie Robinson Day in 2012, we are in Toronto and just went bridge. I mean, just absolute bridge. And I was like, hmm, hey, hey, the next day I had a good game. And then you know what? It became a trend for me. And And I know you mentioned a little bit about you baseball players being a little superstitious, right? I mean, I feel like you hear stories about that all the time and you know, knowing again a little bit more about your career, is there any other superstitions that you sort of embraced during your playing career that, you know, you maybe would bring on to some of the younger generations to try? I mean, why not, right? I mean, you're kind of in a role now where you're being influential. You're sort of a, the face of MLB. Um, (laughs) At least you're, you're getting there, right? I mean, you're, and we're going to get to that a little bit later, but is there anything else that you've tried in your career where you're like, you know what, I'm going to continue to do this. This is working. Well, it was a routine, um, but a mental routine also where, where I wanted to feel good. I had to make that last one had to feel good. I think a lot of hitters, you know, want to end on a good one. But me, it was like, hey, if the first one is that one, that, that was it. If it took me 10 to get it, sometimes it might take me 20. Sometimes it might be three. I think just understanding yourself and just remember – you don't need to do much more. Spring training is what is the, is is to condition you for that long season. Once the season starts, understand it is a long season. You're going to take a lot of swings and just pace yourself. And I, I always, you know, Wayne Kirby was very vital in that. He helped me. Um, I remember it was a West Coast trip, and I'm hitting BP, and then the game time comes, and I'm just yawning and stuff. He's like, what the hell's wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm tired. He's like, well, let's try something different. Let's try something different on the road. And it took me to a whole new level where, you know, I knew how to manage my time. I knew how to manage my reps. And again, that's what spring training is for. You should know what you are, what you need to do. Again, you don't need to take a thousand swings 
during the season. Now, that's actually a, a great segue to sort of my next question for you is we are, I mean, it's end of January. Next week is February. We are fast approaching spring training time. So this time of year for you, when you were a baseball player and you're getting ready to sort of get to Arizona, get to Florida, what was your mentality like? How were you sort of getting your body ready, getting your head ready for this time of year? Because, I mean, like you said, that's actually a great segue to, to my next question for you. So we are, it's end of January. We are fast approaching spring training. Pitchers and catchers are reporting in three weeks to the day, which is wild to think about. As a former baseball player, as someone that grinded out 162 games a year, how did you get your body ready? How did you get your mind ready for that grind? Well, I mean, it started off with once the season was over, it was like I got away from it. Obviously, we're still attached to it. You know, you still always want to move. It's your job. But I got away from it and vacationed away, you know, just away from baseball. Um, but my, my target date was the day after Thanksgiving or the weekend. I mean, the weekend after Thanksgiving, I should say, that first Monday. You know, I gave myself just time to just be away and be human. And then, you know, once this basically December 1st started, it was like, all right, it's go time. It's time to really kick it in gear. And first off, start with my, my weight program, my leg program. And that was my biggest thing is I wanted the elasticity and I wanted my legs to be strong. So uh, all December and, and basically all mid-January was just concentrating on that. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to um, – not have to go on the road, I should say, in in, uh, in big league during during big league games, and you know, get again. I was a veteran, so you know, um, I knew I knew I would, was able to get extra reps. So I, I I did not I didn't kill myself in the off season in San Diego or where I was I generally San Diego. I didn't kill myself with hitting in the cage every single day all January February until spring training because I knew that okay when I get to spring training. I got three weeks before game starts. I can crush it in the cage. It, I got a long, long season. Again, I don't go on every road trip. So I knew that in spring training, I can get my work in. But I've made sure that in the offseason, I built up to be ready for spring training because no matter who you are, you ask any baseball player, the first day of spring training, the first week of spring training, is just it just crushes you. And um, I just wanted to make sure that I was ready for it because I knew that, you know, Long season, the team counted on me, the, the, the organization counted on me, the fans counted on me. So I think my best self was to be available. And I made sure that, you know, I took care of my body uh, as best as I could now. I'm a, uh, I'm a golfer, and, you know, I'm a, but the game of baseball, I made sure that I, I respected it and took the time to uh, make sure that uh, I was ready for those long seasons because sometimes you can't shortchange these things. You can't shortchange Major League Baseball. It'll – It'll show who is working. It'll show who ain't working. And, um, you know, I just wanted to be known for somebody who went out there and posted. And, you know, when people talk about me, they're like, man, damn, he was always out there. It's like, well, it was my job. My job was to, to play. And I think on a personal level, and I think the fans of Major League Baseball would agree, anyone that's ever watched you play, I, I always like to describe you as someone that played the game the right way. You know, as, as our buddy Hawk Harrelson would say, you had that TWTW. You know, you, you mm -hmm. had that the will to win, right? And I feel like that's almost to a small degree getting lost a little bit. You know, those grinders, those those guys that hustle every single play. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that now, you know, when they know they're getting ground out, they kind of jog to first, right? Like that was never your game. Does that frustrate you kind of seeing that little shift in baseball, that that's not happening as much as someone that, like you said, respected and took pride in, in being that guy every single day? Well, I mean, I, again, I understand. And again, I understand it. I always say that, you know, you, again, you hit a ground ball to the, in the big leagues, you're out. You know, you, you're out. But there's always that chance that they drop it. There's always that chance that they do this. And then that's the time that you're not running hard and you can't make it to second or they drop it and they get you out. And it's always that time. So I, I got called out by Showalter in, when he came in 2010. He came in that summer. And um, I, I, I remember I crushed the ball to the third baseman, seeing him throw the ball to the second baseman, I'm, and I'm just running down the line. And I'm about 60%, I admit it. And the first baseman dropped it, but he dropped it right there in front. He picked it up, and then I was out. Even if I was running 50, 100%, I, it was right in front of him. But it looked bad. 
and and then you know, I mean, you know, the fans like, oh yeah, because we we're terrible in 2010. They're like, oh man, hey man, you got to get down the line. And I'm like, you know, to myself, I'm like, well, damn, man. Showwater brought me to his office after the game. It's like, hey, I only expect one thing out of you. And just, you know, it was a, it was a, you know, enough, enough said. And it just was like, a, again, I played the game hard. That was a lapse in that, in playing hard because, again, in big leagues, I should be out. I wasn't. But uh, I just say, players, again, you want to play as many games as you can. Like, you, there's no reason, again, to just run hard, and blow it out every time you ground out or something like that. Again, I, I understand that. But I, again, I would say 75 to 80%. That's easy to do. Fans would respect that. Everybody knows you're out. We know that the swing was bad and you're frustrated. We get that. I'm frustrated for you as your hit, as your, as your teammate. I know. But get down the line. Again, 3 0, 2 1, whatever count that you got your pitch and you rolled over on it, frustrate your ass down that line. That was, that was my mentality. And, and that is exactly it. And that's as a fan, as a fan of baseball my entire life. There is a cool thing about seeing guys running at least 70% of the time, right? Like, you, if you can't run 70% hard four times a game, come on, man, what are we doing? You know, so that's one thing that I've always respected about your game. And I think fans of baseball, and especially the fans in Baltimore, even during those tough years, they love that about you. They really did. So yeah. that's awesome. It's something that I've always respected. Um, but moving kind of away from that whole incredible scene of your career we can talk about your career for hours if we wanted to but sort of a cool sort of cherry on top to how your great career was 2025 next year first year on the hall of fame ballot congratulations that is gigantic that is huge Thank you. Thank i mean you. that's that in itself is an accomplishment right i mean getting on the ballot staying on the ballot that in itself is a cool feeling right it must be uh, I mean I think it's like it's like getting to the big leagues and then staying to the big leagues, staying in the big leagues. It's like getting on the ballot. I mean, first off, I, I didn't even I had no idea I was eligible. Um, I, that's a lot of people were texting me about it. I mean, at extreme shock, extreme humble. I'm not a Hall of Famer. I know that. Uh, I mean, maybe in some people's hearts, I always said if just right here, I, Adam. If, if I, I if I had a vote. <laughs> Hey, if, if I got one vote out of them three hundred and something, I'd be I'd be elated if I was able to get that. Uh, but I, again, I know I'm not a Hall of Famer. I'm an Orioles Hall of Famer. Uh, I get that. I know. I know. I know my limitations. Um, but it, just to be on the ballot again is just an extreme honor. And again, there's going to be people with Ichiro. I get to go be on there with him. CC. Um, again, there, there's a lot of guys that are going to be returning. I hope that. Um, other guys, you know, get added to it, and I see the whole list. But it's just an extremely humbling experience, just to even be. Uh, again, it's a conversation now. They're gonna people are just gonna just start talking about my career, and you know, highlight the good things. And again, they're gonna pick part and say, "Well, he's not a Hall of Famer." Well, I know I'm not a Hall of Famer. Okay, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. If, again, I think if I did, if I stayed in Baltimore longer, maybe I uh, could have put up more numbers. But you know, my career went in different ways, so I could have, could have, would have, should have. But uh, I know I'm not a Hall of Famer. But it's just humbling to even be on that ballot because of the prestige of the Hall of Fame, and uh, I'm gonna get to go there this summer. So I'm I'm really excited to uh, to see it and see the guys who you know are the true greats of the game. I was good. I'm wasn't great. <laughs> well, listen, five-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glove Award winner. That's nothing to sneeze at. So you know that sure. is, and you'll get votes, right? You're gonna get votes. You're not just gonna get one vote. You're gonna get. <laughs> I think if I got like 24, 2,500 hits, maybe it would have did. Again, I think the last three years, the going to Arizona and then, you know, yep. God, the Japan just completely put me out again. I'm, uh, I think a lot of guys who are on the ballot or who have a good chance, maybe, you know, finished in the big leagues at the age I'm at now, 37, 38, yep. you know, maybe, you know, I wish I, who didn't want to finish in the major leagues, my career went in a different way. But um, I just think by doing that, just completely took me out of consideration. Uh, but what one guy I'm really excited to see is that is uh, it's going to be the next year's ballot is Nick Markakis because that that's, your guy. That's, that's, you know that. that's your guy. That's your guy. So on that same note, you you mentioned Nick Markakis. I know that is your guy. You absolutely love playing with him. I know that for a fact. Any good Nick Markakis stories, uh, PG related that you can that you can share that's that's near and dear to you. On the field or off the field? I mean, I know he is near and dear to you. Um, well, I mean, he's just—he's just like a, a, a 
he does strange things like he balanced a shopping cart on his chin. I'm I'm trying to figure out how that works. The, the <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm trying to figure out I mean I'm not, you know, the sharpest knife in the drawer sometimes, but this sounds very very complicated. He's and I remember I seen that and I'm like, first off, why first off I know you grew up in the backwoods of Georgia, but exactly. Damn, that's what y'all be doing back there in the backwoods of Georgia. I but, mean, he—he he is a country like, boy. Okay, that's. I mean, it's, it's incredibly impressive. I wouldn't try it, but it's incredibly. It was impressive. Um, he's a very simple guy. I mean, yeah. uh, we've hung out a lot. Um, he's a very, very simple guy. You know, he just—he loves his outdoors. He loves his hunting. He loves his kids. They're, obviously, his kids are growing up in activities. And he loves the off season. He stays in good shape, and uh, he's just he's just enjoying his off season, enjoying his life, and being isolated and staying off uh, out of everybody's business. He minds his own damn business, and uh, I like I like that about him. And you like that in general, right? You like when people just mind their own <laughs> mind their own you business, should, right? But, I mean, in today's social media era, I think if you put yourself out there, I think you're open to whatever. Yeah. Um, he doesn't put himself out there, so he's not open to. He doesn't know what the hell anybody's talking about. He'll never see this. Nick will never see this. He won't. Somebody will send him the clip. He probably won't even read the text. Like one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, but but that's not his focus. His focus is his boys being outdoors, and you know, he and just enjoying enjoying that that, that lifestyle he he likes. And honestly, there is something to be said for living that way, right? I mean, you know, you and I being you know having our social media, doing our nonsense, having that peace of mind, and just living in the backwoods with your kids. Doesn't sound so bad, right? The older we get, <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, honestly, I mean, again, it's we're in a, we're in a different era. I think yeah. our personalities are. Uh, I mean, big city, we're big city people. So, no our, and, and and then again, our personalities are like that. We are people person. Nick, and, and again, a lot of other baseball players are very similar, like him, to where they're just like like JJ. Also, weeders. These, you know, they're just like the rest of the world. Mm-mm. Like I got, I got what I need. I got my family, my friends. Like I don't need the rest of you guys. And uh, but you know, and that's that's great for them. And that's that is awesome. I mean, they love that isolation, and and they love that uh, just that comfort of just a, a peace. You know, they don't have to worry or read news or you know just you know, like if we go on our social media any time, there's always something that'll catch our eye and something no make us mad and something yeah. make us happy and. You know, just ride roller coasters of emotions. They don't have to deal with none of that. They're like, why do we subject ourselves to this? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And and it's it's the truth. I mean, just before I got on with you, I'm reading about Jim Harbaugh going to your Chargers, and I'm instantly irritated. You know, I mean, who, who needs mean, that, right? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's good for him too. It's it's crazy because he went back to his alma mater in college, yep. and he's coming. He played for the Chargers. Now he's coming back to coach. I mean, that's I think that's great for him. It's great for the Harbaugh family. I mean, especially for the Ravens, what they're doing right now, too. Huge, huge game this weekend. Can't, can't wait. I'll be there in attendance, and I can't freaking wait. Adam, you know I am cheering for you. Please eliminate the Chiefs. Be, be America's team this weekend. I'm uh, begging you, begging hey, you. It's going to be a great, great game. Again, I'm excited. you have to dethrone the champs, and Patrick Mullen, yep. the Chiefs are the champs. They are riding. I mean, they, they are built for this. And the Ravens looked fantastic last week. They're just going to have to do it again against a team that is built for tough. That's and, it. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough challenge. But th- I think this is the Ravens. This is the Ravens year. This is, you know, they've put up, they've, I think, proven everything to everybody. And Lamar Jackson being the MVP, I, I believe. And I think everybody I else would believe. think so. Yeah, I would think so. This is their year. But again, yep. you got to climb, uh, you got to climb a thick ass wall. <laughs> well-coached team. Well-coached I mean, team. Uh, perennial Hall of Famer as a tight end and quarterback and a couple other great pieces. So 
it's going to be a very, very good game in Baltimore. And, uh, again, hope that the Ravens are able to pull it out. Well, you know, the Chiefs have Taylor Swift in their corner, but Baltimore has you in their corner. So I'm, I'm going with Adam Jones' tweet. Yeah, there's going to be some people out there. Ray Lewis, you know, is going to be there. He well is. I just, there last week. Yep. There's, there's some star power and some celebrities that that, uh, that Baltimore has. So it's going to be thick. And, again, AFC Championship game, I was talking to a friend. AFC Championship, NFC Championship is like a Super Bowl for the city. Because Absolutely. the city, the, the real fans get to go to the AFC Championship game and the playoff games. The Super Bowl, we know, is corporate, and yes. not many people can afford that. And, you know, again, like Vegas just skyrocketed every single ticket and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, this AFC Championship game, Baltimore is not has never hosted one. So it, I expect it to be insanely loud. Uh, I agree. Insanely belligerent. And uh, it's a good time. Well, go Ravens and then some. You know, I'll be rooting yeah. for you. Same. But um, so I can, again, I can talk football with you in the same way, like I can talk about your career. But um, 2025 Hall of Fame, first time on it. Who do you think, in your opinion, is a shoo-in for next year? Uh, well, I mean, you got to start off with CeCe Sabathia and Ichiro. Um, CeCe, yeah. I mean, 3,000 Ks, 250 wins. That speaks for itself. Longevity on the biggest stage, you know, obviously started in Cleveland, but went to the biggest stage and, and uh, thrived his entire career. And obviously the, then again, the longevity and the numbers speak for itself. Um, each row. Enough said. Yeah. Enough said. 10 <laughs> gold gloves, 3000 hits here. Yep. And yes. 10 gold gloves that, that that's uh, first ballot. Um, I'm not sure who else is on it. I haven't seen everybody else. Uh, you know, me down the list, trickling <laughs> down. I hope that I can stay on it for the next year. Um, but, uh, you know, I need to see the list. And, you know, I, I just think that, again, it's those two are, the, are my biggest ones. And then, again, I hope that Billy uh, Wagner, I know yes. he, he missed. I hope that he is able to be with them next year. I know he finished a few votes short. I think with this ballot coming out, uh, with me on the list, it's going to definitely take votes away from me and go to them. So, you know, I'm not going to take anybody's votes. Like, you know, I know you only get 10. Don't worry about my, <laughs> don't worry about me. Uh, another guy, you know, I think is an interesting case will be Pedroia. Um, interesting. Okay. I think okay. he would be an interesting case. And to me, yes. Okay. Because he's Allen Iverson of baseball in a, in a sense to me. Oh, I like pound that. For pound, pound for pound, Allen Iverson is one of the best players ever played. No and doubt. Pound for pound, Petey is one of the best players to get, like, he give you everything. For, yep. for what he decides, he played the game as a big man. And, big time. Um, you know, with the gold gloves, MVP, rookie of the year, he's got three chips. Let's not, let's not forget right. about the three chips that he was instrumental in all three of them. Um, so, I, and, and, you know, I know injuries at the very end of his career, but, I mean, his palate was 12 years, I believe, of, of – and, and 10 of those were damn, damn good. So yes. um, I think that he's going to be an interesting case for me. To me, playing against him, he was a Hall of Fame player because to me, Hall of Fame players is people that when you play against them, your eyes are always on them. It's like, no, nah, I got to worry about him. I got to worry yeah. about him. And Petey to me was when I played the Red Sox, man, he had my ass going this way, this way, this way. He knew what he was doing. And, uh, you know, for, like I said, pound for pound, he's one, of the, he's, he's one of the best to do it, especially in the era of, the big guy, you know what I mean? Even yes. second baseman going against Cano, going yep. against Scope, going against, you know, uh, the bigger second basements of of this generation. And it, I put him right there, uh, right there at the top of it. And, and Pedroia was another guy in your era that played the game the right way, right? Hustled, played good defense. You know, I love good defense. Oh, yeah. Smart. Um, you know, just really, I think you said it perfectly, just understood the game. And like you said, he kept you on your toes playing against him. And that's okay. that right there. That tells you something. I mean, he was coached well. You know, I think he had, I think he had Pat Murphy and, mm. at ASU. And again, he, he could tell that he got everything out of his body. Again, most people, you know, I say, you know, five, six, five, seven, whatever he wants to be listed as, uh, you know, Munchkin, you can't do this. You can't do this. And, you tell him that, and the best the best response will be you'll get that best response out of him because he wants to be, you know, 
he's a big dude in his in in his mind and on the field. Yep. He played like that. I never forget we're at uh, API working out in offseason oh eight and nine, and he's sitting there talking to the linemen like, "What's up, big dude? What's up? You want to let's let's get after it." And that's that's Petey's mindset. So I think he had a Hall of Fame mindset, and he played as a Hall of Famer. Um, again, it, are they gonna um, maybe penalize the end of his career because of the injuries? I think that would be eh, and not a real argument to me. But for his for his career, I mean, what you got out of him, he's, to me, he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, the, again, CC and Ichiro, you don't have to worry about them. Uh, but I think PD is going to be a very, very interesting case. Well, I can tell you, Pedroia is a friend of the program, so he'll appreciate you hearing no, this. That's my <laughs> um, so now, as a, as a former outfielder who, again, played the game beautifully, played great defense at all times, how do you feel about an Andrew Jones? getting in the Hall of Fame. Is he an interesting guy for you or? He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I agree. I mean, 450 and 10 gold gloves. I know he's penalized for his last five years going, you know, when he went to LA and then bounced around to New York and to Texas and Chicago. You know, I know he was bouncing around at the end of his career. 10 gold gloves mean, and again, the Hall of Fame, I guess the criteria is, 10, is a decade of excellence. Tingo gloves mean he was excellent for a whole decade defensively. That's it. Uh, and then he had 450 home runs. Like, that's not. Yeah. <laughs> that's not cheap. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's not. That, that's a lot of home runs. Um, it, it, it's, it's a tough one. Again, he played with a really good team. And he thrived. He made that defense. He made those pitchers look good. Again, Greg Maddox is great. Uh, Tom Glavin, John Smoltz, uh, Denny Nagel, Z Baby, we can go keep going back. Mm. All those pitchers are great, but again, you're not striking out every hitter. Balls are still put in play. And he was able to turn uh, a lot of hits into outs. And he played extremely shallow. He dove, he went back on the ball. Um, and, you know, I think you were talking about one of the, I mean, if you want to talk about defensively, he's one of the top three defensive center fielders of all time. Like, so. Um, and then again, let's add on the 450 home runs. I don't care what you're talking about with the 250, with the 250 average. There's a lot of this. You go back generations. There's guys with 250 averages. Absolutely. So, you know, Absolutely. we played the era of, of the inflated strikeouts. You know, yes. A lot of people, a lot of, a lot of guys are striking out more uh, in that in this generation. So, I think honestly, he, he's a he's a case again. Then you got like Tory Hunter, who has 100 less home runs, same amount of Gold Gloves. So it's like. How do you, you know, it's How do you that's, balance again, it? that's why the Hall of Fame is so special is because, you know, it, it's 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 the creme de la creme of who plays this game. Not not many people get in easily. And, you know, like I said, just to be it, in, in that even question, the the thought my brother was texting me about it. Just like, man, <laughs> come on, man. You don't talk down about yourself. You, you could have done that. I'm like, it, it is what it is. Uh, but just. There's certain guys that I'm just like, you should be in the Hall of Fame. Gary Sheffield's another one. I mean, that's that's I mean, a bad one. Yeah, that's disappointing. Like, come on, yeah. come on, like, you know. And you know, an interesting one for me is Bobby Abreu, mm. Bernie Williams, and Jorge Posada. Why did they get no love at all? That is that is actually a fantastic question that I think needs to be talked about more. Yeah. I mean, Bernie was arguably. I mean, one of the biggest leaders in that Yankee clubhouse, wasn't he? I mean, I don't know. Jorge I don't know too. in the clubhouse. I mean, I don't know the Yankees clubhouse. They had a lot of they had a lot of kicks, cooks in that kitchen. Yeah, they definitely did. <laughs> they had superstars, but I mean, you go and look at his numbers. Like every year, he was up to top in a lot of different categories. And you know, I remember just watching him play, and he was a great, great player. Posada is one of the greatest offensive catchers of all time. Again, he wasn't Pudge. He wasn't Johnny Bench. We I was going to say, be, be careful talking about catchers. You know, that's a we hot button that. of mine. <laughs> we get that. But, I mean, he was a, he was a great, to me, he was a, he was a great player. Um, you know, it's Bobby Abreu. I mean, fantastic player. He got some gold gloves, too. So it's not He like does. Saying, like, he wasn't a one-sided on the ball. Like, I think when you get gold gloves, it proves that you care about both sides because defense is attitude, not just Ooh. necessarily skill. So – um, you know, it just, but again, that's why the Hall of Fame is so special. And, and I think I said it the other day is that, uh, I tweeted out is that if you have a ballot, I know that a lot of people come out with their ballots now, but I think everybody should, like everybody should know who you voted for. Again, it probably would 
point out who you liked and who you favored in, in, in covering things. It might show show bias. It might show different things. But at least it will show, I think, baseball players, baseball fans, who, you know, guys, because Hall of Famers are people who are immortal. Those are immortal. You, you, Absolutely. You cemented in a plaque, immortal. I think that uh, it will give the, the, the fan, who is the baseball, still the current baseball players, we're fans of the game. Absolutely. It'll give us a bit of a, a little bit more understanding of first of how they vote, who they vote for, and because, you know, why does it take ten years for somebody to get into the Hall of Fame? Exactly. Like exactly. Maybe you're not a first ballot, but ten years to get in the Hall of Fame, like you should know within the first three or four either. Or and I get there's votes, certain amount of votes, and I get all that stuff, but you know. But what was killing I, me? I, I hope I take a vote away from somebody and somebody gets 74.5. No, no. That's actually amazing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't hope that. I mean, that's actually, that's a great quote. Thank you for that. That actually made my night. <laughs> but what, I mean, what was killing me about some of these people that were making their ballots uh, public, which I completely agree they, they should be public, um, is that one year they voted for a guy and then the next year they didn't. And it's like, oh, okay, what changed in 12 months for you? You know, like, like one a guy would vote for Gary Sheffield last year, or Andrew Jones last year, and then leave him off this year. Why? Why? I, I, that, that's, again, I, I got no idea. Um, again, I think they should make it uh, within discretionary, you know, again, they don't have to go into great detail why they did or did not vote for somebody. But I think that they should they should discuss that and, like, you know, um, you see like Joe Sherman, he said he's going to come out with his ballot, you know, and he talks about it. I think that that should happen. Um, I agree. Again, the bigger name guys do it because, uh, you know, again, they have bigger presence on social media. Maybe Major League Baseball says, you know, it, it's probably better to do it. Just getting the brand. Again, if you got 250,000, 300,000 followers or something, even more, it's probably smart to do that uh, just for just for the brand. Um, but again, there's small other local writers that maybe have 1,500, 2,000 followers yep. to where they're like, nah, I don't want to, I don't want to put it out there. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to deal with the, the, uh, the court of public opinion when they never, they didn't really have to deal with it. If you're in a smaller market, you know, you can just deal with the beat of whatever's going there. I understand that too. But again, the hall of fame is immort immortality. You're not, you're messing with that. You're messing with someone's immortality. Not just like, yeah, you know, you like them or you don't like them. You know, uh, you vote them into, you know, an office or something like that. This ain't office. This is something that is completely different. And, you know, if you didn't like the guy, that's not the, that's not the criteria. It's not like, you know, how he treated you. That's not the criteria is, did he meet the criteria of, uh, of plan? And I think, you know, a lot of guys that played in the late 90s, early 2000s, they got that rap and they didn't want to talk to nobody. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, when the guys had the power that, that had the power, they're just like, well, you know what? Uh, I can snub you. I can treat, I can do it a different way. But I, I think when it comes to the Hall of Fame, though, it's like you got to you, you have to strip all of this emotion, all of whatever. If, even if the guy flattened your tires, TP'd your house, you got to strip it and be like, hey, you know, the guy was a baseball player. The, the criteria, he was a great baseball player. Maybe an asshole. Exactly. But he's a great baseball player. And again, there's a lot of assholes. In but life. They're, but they're great, but, but there's some that are just fantastic baseball players. Exactly. You, have to, you have to recognize that. And you got you to uh, appreciate it and, and, and let them have their flowers. They can still be assholes, but, you know, let them, let them celebrate what they worked their entire, entire lives for. And, uh, if they were great, you have to you have to celebrate it. And this isn't the Hall of Great People, right? I mean, this is the Hall of Fame for for being a great baseball player, and that great should be acknowledged. Baseball. This is the Baseball Hall of Fame. This isn't uh, the you know uh, Personality Hall of Fame. Nah, you know it's not because then not we'd be in there. You know, we'd be in there. <laughs> Who treated me the best? Hall of Fame. Exactly. It is not. It is the Baseball Hall of Fame, and if you were a great baseball player. I think you should be celebrated in uh, immortality. I I, I could not agree more. And, and I'm glad that you said it publicly yesterday. And I'm glad that you're saying it publicly again, because I think 
people need a reminder of what they're actually voting for. And I think that's, yeah. that's excellent. That's excellent. Right. Cause you mess with like with Sheffield, like he's off the ballot. I, I believe right. he, I hope he gets in on the, on the other one, but like he met all the requirements. Yeah. You know, and that's it. Met all the requirements. And, um, you know, I just like, he, he met all the requirements. Right. Right. Like it's, it's, but, come on. <laughs> yeah, I think he'll get in later. I think he'll get in later in life. And uh, I hope he does because, you know, he should be celebrated because he was, and he, like he said, and I love it how he said, it. he said, every team I was on, I was the best player. Mm. And if you go back and look at all them rosters, it's hard not to be like, mm, he's the best player. Every he's team. right. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He's right. Yeah. Well, again, Adam, I, I don't want to take up a ton of your time because you've, of course, been great as I as you always are. But, um, I, you know, you've been doing you've been doing retirement the right way, as I always like to say, I always like to give you credit for, um, you know, you log on to your social media at any given point and you're in a different country. Like mm -hmm. it's it's absurd the way you've been living. And I'm, I'm all for it. I'm so glad that you've you've decided to just embrace all this travel during your retirement as you should you've got two young boys who are growing up before my very eyes who are experiencing yep. the world with you which is crazy um but you know you've also dipped your toe a little bit into sort of the mlb world when it comes to like the business side of it or working with cc sabathia um you know i, I i've heard of some rumors about maybe you getting involved into some broadcasting which i'm all for um, what are your, what are some of your ideas or thoughts of maybe doing a little bit more of this type of stuff in broadcasting or, you know, working closely with more with CC Sabathia or Curtis Granderson? I mean, what is sort of your game plan in the next five to 10 years? Well, first off, my wife started a travel company when we were in Japan and it's like, well, my career is coming to an end and obviously we love to travel while I was playing. So we were like, you know, let's go live somewhere else. We live in Barcelona and we travel all over the place. Again, it, it it's, you know, if you don't know us, you'd be like, oh, damn, he lives in San Diego or Bar Baltimore and he's traveling all of these places back and forth. And that's crazy expensive. I wouldn't do that. Uh, but we live in Barcelona. So, you, you know, we're in Paris, London, Czech Republic, Turkey, Rome. Uh, we were just in Zermatt, Switzerland, Munich. I mean, you're talking about an hour and a half flight to all these places. So... We just hop over. You just have, you know, $150 flights, and it's fantastic. So we're, we're getting to really do that. And I started my own podcast while I was out there, too, the Adam Jones Podcast. And I'm able to tell these kind of stories, obviously give back baseball stories, but then tell uh, stories of travel and different things and have friends on and, again, talk random, just randomly. And I think the biggest thing, though, is that my kids are getting a crazy impact we could live in America, live in a big house and do all this thing, you know, just, just the prototypical thing of what athletes do. But I think but by me going to Japan and spending my last two years there, it opened our mind. It's like, you know, it's like we could do whatever we want. We could live wherever we want. Let's do something different. Let's do something out the box. And a lot of people, like, find out that we do the envy. And they're like, oh, that's really cool. And I look at them like, you could do the same exact thing. But people, some people are shy, afraid, scared to do it. And we were like, let's do it. What's the scariest thing that could happen? You know, nothing. Um, so what well, we enjoy it. And that's what we've done. We've enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, so, but then to go with the MLB side and post career, um, CC called me when I was done playing. He's like, hey man, I need you to, you know, I need you to stay in the game. I want you to stay in the game. Come work with me, uh, you know, be around the fellas, which are this new, uh, new group. Uh, the commissioner's on board, and he just wants the, the guys to be around the game, be influential. And I'm like, I'm all on, I'm all on board. You know, I think every player who plays a good career wants to get way away from the game when they're done and just, you know, take those times because the wives, they don't get no summers. They right. are, you know, sitting there in the baseball stadiums. And, you know, I think a lot of wives want to get the first couple summers. And the players, too, get those summers off and have some fun with your family, your kids, take them on vacations that you never were able to do. Uh, because we all vacation in you know, in the wintertime. But 
he was just like, I need you around, help, you know, just be around and, and, uh, and just be influential, be yourself, but, you know, be around the game. And I was like, I, I can't turn you down first off. And I think this is a great idea. Obviously we started the cap program where, you know, we're being ambassadors to the game, good guys who played, played the game hard, played it right, had good careers, but just giving back knowledge and being big brothers to this game. You know, there's a lot, I think I wouldn't say there's a lack of anything, but you know, how the game has went younger, there's a lack of those veterans that were that my generation had to where, you know, you can lean on the veteran for life in questions, not just baseball, for just different things. And I think the guys that just selected for the gap program are the just, I think, the perfect fit for what uh, that embodies what the cap program is even about and then being an ambassador. So uh, he reached out to me about that. And I was like, I have to do it, of course. And it gets better and better. Uh, do the Korea series, do the London series, do the Mexico series, and be around spring trainings, and just be around the game, that World Series, at the playoffs, all-star games, and just be around. And, uh, you know, me, you know me, I got a good personality with that. I like it. I enjoy the fellas. I enjoy the, you know, the current guys. And, you know, and then when it comes to broadcasting, I'm not sure I want to broadcast. Um, I would love to work with an organization because I think that I bring value to an organization. I have no ego when it comes to this stuff. I want to see a team succeed. Um, like I said, obviously, I you know, great ties to the Orioles. That's where I spent my career. Um, I want to generally see them succeed. You know, it's not like, oh, you know, I want to be around here and this Adam Jones' way. It's like, nah, I want to see Rushman. I want to see Henderson. I want to see Bradish. Uh, I want to see all those dudes just go out there and play their tails off, be at the All-Star Games, and win. Like, and it's genuine. And I want to see the city and the city's businesses uh, thrive. So uh, maybe that's an avenue. But uh, right now, working with the captain, with CC, and also working with BAT, which I've worked for since 2011 on the board of directors. And uh, I don't know if you know what BAT does, but we take care of the former players, um, umpires, staff, coaching staffs, uh, PR people, anybody who works in the family of baseball. And, uh, you know, things happen later in life, and we make sure that uh, we're a bridge to be able to get them on their feet. And that's been something dear to my heart since 2011 and, and since really since uh, – 2004 when I first heard the first speech from back. So uh, those are things that just keep me, keep me busy a little bit. Obviously my kids keep me busy a lot, uh, but you know, hopefully in a couple of years when we move back to the United States, if we move back, uh, maybe I can add more to the plate of baseball uh, related things. But uh, right now it's kind of fun having a, you know, an open schedule and just being out there living. I mean, Spend this money. You know what I mean? It's it's you ain't gonna die with it. You ain't gonna die, but everybody died the same way. So I think that uh you I worked my ass for my ass off for all this and you know it's cool to see the whole entire world, see different cultures, taste different foods, drink different wines, taste different local beers. I know you're a big you love a good uh, craft beer, a good I local do. beer. And you know, going to all these countries, it's like just give me your local beer. And I think that being able to do that, sitting down at a cafe, having a croissant, a coffee in the morning, in random Sardinia, like I think that is really cool. Than you know, driving to the Starbucks and you know they know my order. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, as as someone that enjoys the flair of travel, and I'm sure there's many people that want, or, or, and maybe you're going to actually influence Adam Jones, the influencer influence listeners to take that next step and be like, you know, I was afraid to do a whole European trip, but if Adam Jones can do it, so can I, damn it. So let's go, you know, I, I mean, so. right. It's, it's the truth. I mean, because like you said, once you get to a European country, go to Paris, you can then jump to Switzerland for 150 bucks, Germany. And then you're, you're living it up in Europe for a couple of weeks. There's, it's not hard. If you want to do it cheaper, you can take the train. I exactly. Mean, it all interconnects. I mean, and Europe is a great place. It's good culture, good foods. And again, it's just um, it's just being outside the box. And again, a lot of people have these, oh, this is on my bucket list. Uh, screw your bucket list. Do it. <laughs> do it. Like, do it. Because, again, life is precious. We, we, we're only getting older. And again, as you know, as you get older, you start to lose people. Mm. And, you know, you never know when you... You, it's your turn. Again, we all say we're in great health and all this great thing. You never know what's going to happen. And I think that, you know, when it comes to certain things, I think a lot of people do have regrets. Well, I didn't do this when I was, do it, do it. If it, it like, if, if you have to cut back on maybe uh, going out to dinner, you know, for a month, 
to be able to go on a vacation, to be able to go on safari, something you keep following on Instagram and liking it and liking it and reposting it. Stop reposting all these damn videos and pictures of, oh man, one day, make it, make it in three months make it happen. or six months, <laughs> plan it out and go. Get on the plane, go. If you have to go by yourself, go. The word, the best thing is traveling by by yourself. The best. Go. We both know that. Yes, go. The like, best. Go if you have to. Again, in like a lot of people are just afraid of it. And oh man, this place is dangerous. This, what? You see where you live? That's dangerous. Come on, <laughs> come on. You know what I mean? So it's like I, I encourage people to just go. And again, um, you most people aren't going to do it the way I'm doing. I have the means to do it on a different level. I get that, but I got really good friends that understand the system of how to travel, understand how to buy tickets, understand how to get these rooms. And they've been to more countries than I have. And it's like, you can do it. It's just a matter of, do you really want to? Do you really want to see the world? I do. And, you know, my, my family does. I encourage, you know, and I, again, I'm from the hood of San Diego, the inner city. You know, most people don't see the things that I've seen, but I, I've been fortunate enough to take my brothers, my cousins, my parents, uh, in my extended family, I've been able to show them something different, even if it was just say an all say an all star game, a game you know on the road, Baltimore. I've been able to show them uh, something different, and I think that's the real experience. Again, you just give somebody a dollar, well they're just gonna spend it. But if you you know give them the experience, I think that it, that shows them. I think that's the ambition, and people are like, well, damn, I want to work harder so that I can do that with my family, and that's it. you know. That, that's I think that's the real thing that I'm trying to portray is see the world and just I think embrace it because you see me in Japan I embrace the culture I'm there for two years you that did I can, do. I can cry and I'm not in the major leagues no I'm about to go over here and be Japanese and have a great time and I had a great time I had a I mean I embraced the culture and it was a fantastic time and so people just need to do that. Get off the ass and stop saying I just need to, you know, no, just do it. Just do one it. one one thing I do, and I was just I mean, I loved your entire uh stint in Japan. I thought it was great. You did embrace the culture, but you didn't wear your socks high in Japan. That was no, disappointing. I <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Uh I mean I was DHing a lot. I was just sitting there. I was just basically yeah, I was out of all of it. Um but yeah, I did not wear my pants high. They gave me some <laughs> in my locker. I did have some in my locker. But no, I didn't wear them high. Um, yeah, I, I did. I didn't finish all that well over there in Japan. <laughs> they probably weren't too happy with me. Uh, but again, I was the I, I was the happiest guy. All my teammates they were asking questions. Again, I played with uh, Yamamoto and Yoshida. They were asked questions. They were attentive. And me, you know, me, I was just trying to, hey, what's going on with you guys? Let's yep. you know, let's go out to dinner. Let's go hang out and. Hey, let me. What What do you guys do for fun? You know, what do you off days? You guys golf, and you know, just trying to embrace their culture, and you know, they embraced me. They wanted to learn about my career and all that kind of stuff. So it was just a, a great way. It was a great way to end my career. Well, one one final question because you did hit on Yomamoto, and I figure that this is a great question for you because you were the one that originally told me about him. Mm -hmm. You were the one that originally said this kid is going to be a superstar. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna be incredible. So. What were your first impressions of Yomamoto, and will that translate well to the Dodgers and the culture of MLB? In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field, and then I, uh, I look over at my dad, and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to the Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Well, first of all, I heard about him when I was there. And they were like, yeah, number 18. Yeah. He started. I'm like, like three days, I'd never seen him. The first three <laughs> days. I'm like, where is this little dude? Because in the stretch line, he was over there. I was over there. So I never, like, never got to see him. And then I finally seen him. Um, he was throwing live bullpen. I'm like, all right, let me, like, I want to stand in on it. And I'm like, first one fast, we just, I was like, hey, hold on. Because I was just, you know, live, you just get it. I dug back in, like, oh, hold on. Like, let me see that. This is made, this looks like something I've seen before. This is like major league stuff. And he just had the velocity, had the carry. 
Um, and but he's impressive as a human being. I mean, he puts it, he puts in the time, he puts in the work, like everybody else does. Uh, but he's just he's just uh, Japan. He was great. Major League Baseball. I, don't, I can't necessarily say exactly what he's going to do because I'm not you know a fortune teller. But I think that with his stuff, uh, that team. I think he'll play good. I mean, got a very good defensive team, a team that puts up runs. Um, you know, he doesn't need to be a one, two, nine ERA. Like I've said before, he doesn't need to be that. He just needs to go out there and does do what he does. Um, you know, the, you know, major league baseball doesn't count on you to throw uh, eight, nine innings like he did in Japan. So right. a strong six, you know, plus will always put him in the best position to win. So I just think that he's going to adapt to it. He's had great mentors with Tanaka, Shohei, um, uh, Karuda. I think guys who pitched in, uh, in who had who had success in Major League Baseball. And I just think they just have, you know, explained to him the, you know, the longevity, uh, the travel, uh, everything. Because our travel is going to be something different. You're going to be in the West Coast time. You go on the East Coast is different. When you're in Japan, it's one time zone. So, and you take the train. So it's a little bit, the travel is going to be a little bit different. You're going to be on a lot more planes, but again, we're athletes and uh, we're built for, we're built for everything. We adapt to things. Great. That's why I think we're in positions that we are. So I just, again, as a, as a friend of his, I just want to see him have success. I'm not against my Padres. Or more of course not. Of okay? course not. <laughs> bust the socks. Okay. No, bust the socks. But uh, oh, he will. But, Don't uh, worry. I'm, I'm, I'm fully I'm, expecting I'm, it. <laughs> I'm watching him to have some. I mean, again, I'm as as a person who loves the international game. I, I thrive. I'm just waiting for him to have good success. And again, on the business side, I mean, it, it, Japan as a whole. You have Tokyo with with Shohei and Northern with Sapporo and all that. Now you have the whole Osaka Kobe uh, region with Yamamoto. So. I just think that it's it's real good business for L.A. Tokyo, L.A. Japan, and uh, I just think that it's going to be great for Dodger Stadium. And again, he wants the bright lights. Damn it, he got the bright he lights. Got he got them. He got them. So again, I just think that as a baseball fan, I'm just excited to see what he does. Well, and I think just as I, I mean, again, three weeks from pitchers and, and catchers uh, reporting. I mean, this is the time. This is the time to get excited, even with my more than likely over 100 loss White Sox season coming. I'm still excited, still ready. Um, but honestly, Adam, it's it is always a pleasure. You have given me more than enough time. You know, I could talk to you for hours. You know that. But you are a wonderful baseball as a boring ambassador. I always see you wearing the shirts. I always feel like you're just, you're proud to tell everybody that baseball isn't boring. So, because awesome. you know that, right? You know yeah. that awesome. uh, there's a, it, it's an intellectual game. <laughs> Very frustrating. Very frustrating that, you know, this baseball is frustrating, but you know, it's, I mean, it, it's, it, it is a game that if you understand failure, you'll be great. And that's it. You know, but most people in life can't handle failure. Again, if you hit 300, that means you you failed to get a hit three uh, seven out of ten times. There's nothing in life you can do successful at three out of ten times and and keep that job. So, uh, baseball players, I just think we're just fantastic failures. <laughs> you know what? We got to put that on a t-shirt. I got to. We got. I mean, baseball players are fantastic failures. That's fantastic a t-shirt. Yeah. It's a t-shirt. Because I mean, even even your best hitters. Three out of ten times you're getting hits, right? Isn't that the isn't that it? Larissa Rise, three seventy or something like that? That's thirty-seven percent. Thirty there's nothing you can do in life at thirty-seven percent besides maybe shoot threes that you're good, that, that you're gonna be effective at. If you shoot thirty seven from three, you probably shoot ninety from the free throw and you know, forty five from the field. So yeah, yeah. So there's nothing you can do at thirty at thirty seven percent and uh, keep your job. So baseball players are just fantastic failures. That's it. That is it. <laughs> that is the quote of the week right there. Um, Adam, honestly, always a pleasure. Um, thank you for coming on. It was more than informative. And listen, you're a Hall of Famer in my book. So oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it, Adam. Always a pleasure.